Well, being in uh, pastoral ministry for uh, pretty close to the last 25 years, there's something that I found very, very difficult to experience. But in another way, it's been a great blessing for my life. The difficult part is this. It is hard for me to see people come and then to see people go. You see, I want to help people. I want to help people find God. I want to help people uh, find a relationship, a personal relationship with God. And I want to help them grow in that relationship. And I want to help them move past all the hurts and the struggles and the difficulty that we've all had in our lives. And and just to move forward and, and not to go back, but to move forward and to continue finding and fulfilling the purpose that God has for their lives. It breaks my heart to see someone that maybe is making the decision to not move forward and to continue in that. That's, that's the tough part. The good part, though, is when they continue to come back. I love that. I love that. Have you ever noticed how there's seasons to life? There's cycles to life? And, and some of us maybe tonight need to get more patient with that process that, you know what, right now there's some people in your life that aren't going to be a part of your life in three months or six months or a year. And you may not see them for a while. You may not see them this side of heaven, but I love it. Here's we're doing God's work. You know, we were together and then somebody got off the path or they went a different direction. And then a few months later, maybe three months later, they come back. Maybe six months later, maybe a year later. What a blessing, what a joy that is to see over the years happen again and again. Number one, because I'm glad to see, you know what? In the middle of God's will, seeking God's purpose is the best thing for your life. I want to help you move forward. But also, listen, it also is evidence when you see people come back over and over again that is evidence that they got it. That it's stuck. That Jesus is in there. That they're for real. That that person truly is a child of God. And even though they stray, even though we all stray, thank God, if you're a child of God, you're going to keep coming what? Back. We're doing a series called What Does It Mean Really to Be a Christian? What does it mean to be a follower of Christ? We're looking for evidence. There, like Pastor Chris said, there are so many people who claim to be a Christian. What does that mean? There's a book full of things. I encourage you to read the book, amen? There's a book full of things that talk about what it means to have a relationship with God. But we're just trying to find some of the evidence that I can look at to say, you know what? I am a Christian. I have given my life to God and there's evidence to encourage me for that in my life. Tonight, that's what we want to talk about. One of the evidences that you are truly a child of God, that you are truly born again, is when you keep coming back. That is evidence that you got it, that you're a Christian. And I suppose you could call that perseverance. In fact, uh, many theologians use that, they use that word a lot, talking about the, uh, uh, some of what we're talking about together here. That's not exactly what we're talking about tonight. Perseverance really relates more to assurance, or assurance of your salvation, or eternal security, as some people call it. Certainly, that's part of what we're talking about tonight. But what I'm thinking of is more like this. You may listen to Toby Mac. If you're a true believer, 
You get knocked down, but you get back up again. Amen? You may be knocked down, but not out forever. I love that song. I'm a believer, and I get some punches. And man, I thought that was it. I thought that was the knockout punch, but if you are a Christian, you get knocked out, but you keep coming back. That's what we want to talk about together today. And we need to do that, first of all. I need to lay some groundwork in order for us to understand what we're talking about tonight. First of all, I need to share with you. We need to understand something. We need to realize that some, quote, believers are short-lived. Some people who claim to be Christians are short-lived. Now, I want to clarify something as I make that statement. Let's don't misunderstand This does not mean that when you experience salvation, that sometimes it doesn't stick. Okay, did you hear me? That statement that I just made, that some believers are short-lived, could cause some of you to have the fear of, oh no, sometimes you come to God and sometimes it runs out on you. Okay? That is not what we're talking about. Anyone who truly comes to God will never lose that relationship with God. Can everybody say amen for that? Thank the Lord. Let me give you some verses to write down. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3-5. through 1 Peter chapter 1, you've got to read that passage. It talks about that your salvation is secure. You've got reservations. Isn't it nice to have reservations? Some of you are going on vacation soon. Isn't it nice to have reservations and know it's secure? Know we got the dates down? The Bible says that we have reservations that are secure in heaven if you are a child of God. Romans chapter 8, verses 31 through 39. A classic passage that says there is nothing that will ever separate you. If you are a child of God, nothing can ever come between you and God ever again in this life or for all eternity. Amen? In uh, Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, it basically is what it says, He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete that work until Christ comes back one day. Isn't it good news that God finishes what He starts? If God started a work, if you are truly a child of God, listen, you don't have to have any concern that that's going to play out at some point. It's not a contract that God's made. It's a covenant that God's made with you. Unconditionally, when you receive that gift. John chapter 10, verses 27 through 30. The Bible says that you are in the palm of God's hand. And when you are in God's hand, nothing. And it says it in the strongest possible way it can say it in that language. Nothing can ever pluck you out of God's hand. Isn't that security tonight? If I am in God's hand, if I am a child of God, nothing can ever take that away. 1 John chapter 5, verse 13 says, You can know that you have eternal life. You can have complete confidence and assurance. So what we're talking about is not that if you've experienced salvation, one day that might play out in some people's lives. That's not what we mean by short-lived. What we're saying is many people who say they've come to God have never truly given their life to Jesus Christ. So in Matthew chapter 13, Jesus tells some stories about God's kingdom. He tells some parables that they're called in God's Word. They're just everyday life stories 
that Jesus uses to help us to understand more about God and His ways. And so he tells some stories, he tells some parables about God's kingdom, and the first parable he tells is the parable of the sower, or the parable of the soil, or the parable of the seeds. Different people call it different, uh, different parables, but it's basically the same parable. But then uh, Jesus says in those verses, he says, here's what that story is about in verses 18 through 23 of Matthew 13. He says, you heard the parable, you have to go back and read that at the beginning of, ver- of chapter 13. But he says, hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it or grab hold of it, the evil one, the enemy, the devil, comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is the one on whom seed was sown beside the road. So Jesus tells a story about a man who's sowing seed and that seed falls on different types of soils. Okay, some of it was hard ground. He said, that's who that man was, who I just described in verse 19. In verse 20, he says, the one on whom seed was sown on the rocky places, this is the one we're kind of focusing on tonight. The one on whom seed was sown on rocky places, this is the man who hears the word, and listen, he responds to it. The guy on the hard soil, he didn't respond to it at all. He just kind of sat there, he didn't grab hold of it at all, no reception at all, and that's taken away quickly. But this person immediately receives it with joy, with happiness, Yeah, he has no firm root in himself, but is only, what's it say? Temporary. And when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he does what? Falls away. Then Jesus talks about uh, some others. He says, the one on whom seed was sown among thorns. This is the man who hears the word, hears God's message, the worries of the world, the deceitfulness of wealth, choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. And then he talks about the good soil. He says, and the one on whom seed was sown the good soil, this is the man who hears the word of God and understands it or responds to it, who receives it, who lets it sink down, who indeed bears fruit and brings forth some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. Now what we want to focus on, like I said, is the guy in verses 20 and 21. This is a person who heard God's message and appears to respond to it, actually seems to respond to it initially, but, but eventually that person shows they were temporary. They were short-lived in their response. Listen, really, what Jesus is saying, that person was not for real. Okay, that person did not truly respond and receive and let God's message truly sink down and take root in their life. And actually, Jesus tells a story Uh, Here, right after that, in verse 24, the parable of the wheat and the tares. Some of you have heard of that story. Uh, What Jesus is talking about there, He says, He tells us that many times we're not sure if a person who's responded to God's message is for real or not. Now, ultimately, we can't tell from one's heart, right? Okay, but what He's saying is, sometimes people have a very similar response. Sometimes a person who has good soil responds to it And then later you see it bear fruit. Then you have someone who's on that rocky soil. They seem to be responding to it even very quickly, but eventually you find out it really didn't take root. And Jesus says through the parable of the wheat and the tares that sometimes it takes a little while for that to kind of play out. I shared with you a couple weeks ago that one of my kids and I doing this raised garden kind of thing, you know, and hoping to grow some vegetables and having a good time with that this spring. Well, right after we got our garden in, man, I, pretty quick, man, there was some stuff coming up. In fact, a lot of stuff was coming up. It looked a lot like grass, okay? 
And guess what? It is. <laughs> a lot of it is weeds, right? Drew was out there. He said, Dad, do we need to weed our garden? I'm like, wait a minute, buddy. We got to kind of see what's what. We got to see what's for real. Okay, and then sure enough, after a little while, you start seeing them. That one looks different and it's getting pretty tall. And this one over here gets different and it's getting pretty tall. I'm starting to think a lot of that stuff in between is junk, right? I can tell the difference after a while. Okay, that's what Jesus is saying. Sometimes, and God's kingdom is a lot like that, sometimes it looks, it, things look like they're happening, but sometimes they weren't for real and it takes a little time for that to play out. There are many people who come to God, like verses 20 and 21. They've never been to church, maybe. They hear a message from God, their heart is touched in some way, and they say, yeah, yeah, I'm going to accept Jesus. Or maybe there's a person that went through a crisis in their life and, and they needed some help and God was speaking to them and, and they responded in some way that, 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 you know what, I need some help right now in my life. Whatever circumstances we want to kind of insert into that, what we're talking about here is that there are people that sometimes for a moment, for right now, they seem to be responding to God, but later they show, well, maybe not so much, Right? There seemed to be a lot of interest. There, may, there seemed to be some movement even. And then later they show, you know what, that was kind of short-lived. And so the question we have to ask ourselves tonight is, is that me? Amen? Isn't that a valid question? Apparently, there are people... Yes, we know there's rocky soil. I mean, we know there's hard soil like the first guy. There are some people that God gives a message and they say, no, absolutely not. Their heart's not ready to receive it. They don't receive it. And that's just very clear. There are some, though, who seem to be responding, but it's not really that true experience of a relationship with God. Later it shows up because they kind of drop God. Especially, it says in these verses, they kind of drop God when it gets... Kind of hard. Isn't that true? I mean, it would be easy for us to come to church and we hear the songs and we hear the message and God's speaking and God's moving and God's working in people's lives and you kind of get warm fuzzies and, and all of that. But when we leave, sometimes it's not so warm and fuzzy, is it? So there's a real question. Have I truly responded to God? Have I truly given my life to Him? Many of you can probably relate to this, but uh, growing up in Georgia, I mean, I was 45 minutes from the stadium and from the uh, places where they played football and baseball, and so obviously I grew up as a Braves fan, as a Falcons fan. Yes, you can say bless your heart, because when I was, when I was growing up, I mean, it was terrible. It was terrible. It was not even close to good. I mean, the, the Falcons would be like, you know, 12 losses a season. And we're like, every year, every year. I remember my dad saying this, maybe next year, right? <laughs> Wait till next year. The Braves, I mean, 100 lost seasons. It was just like a given. There's a lot of teams that like to shoot for 100 wins. We were just trying to not hit 100 losses. <laughs> but even then, I was a fan that's my team. Amen? 
Now, I got to say, over the last 20 years for the Braves, the Falcons are starting to come along a little bit, okay? I'm not convinced yet. But the Braves, for about the last 20 years, I mean, they started winning some games. They're, they were getting to be a pretty decent team. Well, guess what? They gained a lot more fans. What do we call those? Fair-weathered fans. Isn't that right? As long as it's going good, yeah, boy. Let's go. Let's go to the playoffs. Let's go to the World Series. Let's get our banner. I'm just like, you guys aren't for real. Fakers. I was country when country wasn't cool. I liked the Braves when they were, when they were dying. And, and guess what? There will probably be a time when they'll be terrible again. And they'll still be my team, right? That's just the way it is. This morning I was reading Acts chapter 8 in my time with the Lord. In Acts chapter 8, the Bible says that there came a time when it got hard in the early church to be a Christian. In fact, they were dragging people out of their houses. That hit me hard this morning. And I've read it before and it's a story back then, and you know, but, but I thought about us. What if we lived in a culture where it was that hard Challenging to be a Christian. There might be some people to say, not so much, right? So some people claim to be Christians, stick around for a little while, but, some, but soon after that they go away and they don't come back. It's very likely they were not truly believers, followers of Jesus Christ. Okay, so that's one thing we need to understand. But here's another thing, okay? We're trying to lay some foundation of our understanding. We need to understand that there are people, yes, we know there are some that absolutely reject. Yes, we know that there's those that receive, but we need to realize and we need to be warned that sometimes there's a response that looks positive, but it's still not for real. And I need to ask myself, is that me? Okay, the second thing is this. We need to realize there are many seasons to life. Isn't that true? You can't say yes unless you're an older person in this room, okay? Because older people realize, and listen, listen, that's not knocking a young person. I, I like to think I'm still in that category, okay? I'm, I'm sort of, I'm sort of on, the, on the fence right now, okay? I'm at that 40 level, you know? Somebody said, why do people say 65 is middle age? Who do you know walking around is 130 years old, right? So really, middle age is more like, me, right? Okay, so having said all that, if you're young, just trust us. If you're older, you can certainly affirm there are a lot of seasons. There are a lot of stages. There are a lot of phases. The Bible talks about that. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1. What does it say? There's an appointed time. There is a what? Season for everything. There's a time. There's a season for every event under heaven. Time to give birth, a time to die, you can read those, a time to plan, a time to approve what is planted. There's different times, there's different seasons. There's a time to be born, there's a time to die. There's a good times, there's tough times, right? There's lots of seasons to life. The Bible tells us that life is long, that life is hard, that life has changes, that it has seasons to it. There's a time in my life I was young. Then I started getting a little older. 
Start getting a little more responsibility. And some of that's hard and some of that's good. Then maybe you start a family and you connect your life with a, 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 another person, with a spouse that you join your life together with and you spend your life together and you start raising kids and there's a diaper phase and praise God, there's a diapers are over phase. Amen? You can buy a car now because no more diapers. There's good weather. There's bad weather. There's easy winners. There's this past winter, right? There are many stages to life, but listen, and for many people, Jesus is or was a stage. Isn't that true? Okay, now wait a second. We're not going to be those day Christians. Yeah, I can think about all of those people like that. No, I'm talking about me. I'm thinking about me. Are you thinking about you? There are, i got to ask myself, have I been in a season? I could have even been in a long season. I could have been in the last 20 years of Jesus' season. I need to continually check my heart, amen? Are you with me? Maybe I was a teen and, and I got into trouble and I needed religion. And so, broke my heart the other day to read a blog of a young lady who talked about she sounded like one of the youth that used to be in my youth group. She very well could have been. She, she described her experience of going through junior high and high school and mission trips and serving the Lord and God working in her life and serving on the worship team and sharing Christ with people and leading her friends to the Lord and leading a Bible club at her, at her high school and all those kind of things. And now she's totally... That was a phase, she says. I actually think in reading her blog that she doesn't believe that. But that's where she is right now. That, that was just a phase. I was a teenager, had a rough family life, I needed some strength in my life, that gave me some grounding, and now I've, what? Dear God, help me to never move on. Amen? Maybe you went to college. You needed some meaning. You were trying to learn more about God. You were looking at things in a more existential, more intellectual. You were just trying to process what, what's the meaning of life. And you found a college somewhere, or you found a, a university ministry somewhere, and, and you built some relationships, and it really meant a lot to you, but now I'm kind of in a different place in my life. Started a family, didn't know what to do. I don't know how to raise kids. I need some good morals, so I started going to church. I lost my, my spouse. I felt so lost. I needed... Something to grab hold of. So I looked to God for a while. Now listen, let me make something very clear. There is nothing wrong with coming to God in times of difficulty. Okay? Please don't misunderstand what we were just talking about. Because some people get really cynical about it. If you are in prison, go ahead, give your life to Jesus. Amen? And don't feel bad about it. If you're in a foxhole, go ahead and give your life to Jesus and don't feel bad about it. If you've got a terminal illness, if you've lost a parent, if, if God is speaking to your heart, give your life to Him. So let's don't be that way. Let's don't be like, hey, somebody's got to give their life to God in good times or maybe they're just faking. No, listen. If you've, if you've found Christ, 
No matter where you found Him, praise the Lord. But our concern is over this. Our concern is over a situation where life maybe got hard and we dabbled with God, but then we moved on. Yes, I was looking to God. Yes, I was interested in God for a while, but not now. I cannot tell you how many people over the years we've been a phase. Maybe a phase they look back with with fondness and, and great, you know, uh, sense of, you know, some good things happened there. That girl that I was reading her blog, I mean, she certainly felt some sort of connection. But as far as the God part, she said, you know, that was just... Some people, maybe, truly were Christians and now just find themselves in a perpetual state of stunted growth. Listen, the New Testament does continually challenge us to grow. Guess what that tells me? I continually don't want to. Amen? Isn't it true? Read the Bible backwards. Okay? If it's saying, hey, keep on, hey, press on, hey, keep growing, hey, make the right choice, guess what? God knows me. He's got me, right? He knows my name. He knows that I am prone to wonder. Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Amen? Think about that song very often. My front end is out of alignment. In my life. And constantly I feel my tires going towards the ditch. Amen? So yes, it is possible to get off track. In fact, all of us do it. If you're here today and you're saying, well, obviously he's not talking about me, then you already have a problem. Okay? All of us get off track. Really, don't we? It's just a matter of how long we do that. And there's the possibility for getting off track for a while. That's why we need to be careful about judging one another. Okay? I know it's possible to be a Christian and get off track for a while because I did it for a long time. Okay? And many of you have that same testimony. So that's why the Bible gives us those exhortations to grow and the challenges, to stay strong and the warnings, to not move away. But if a person does not come back and get plugged in with God's work somewhere, I can't say for sure because there are some passages that say, yeah, yeah, you can get to heaven without much evidence. One day, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 talks about that. But I don't want to be in a position of wondering where I stand with God the rest of my life. Amen? And so the Bible just continues to challenge us. Listen, stay on track with the Lord for your benefit and for the benefit of people that are watching, and that will give you evidence that you are truly born again and a child of God. If a person can go away and stay away forever, I can't say categorically that they're not a Christian, but it's... Big evidence that they're probably not a believer. What we're trying to say is this. If you have an experience of God coming and living in your life, if the Savior is living in your life, that He will not go away. Amen? Amen. You're going to have times when you're stronger, and times when you're weaker. And my hope is that it's like this, okay? I know I'm going to have a bad day. I know I'm going to have a bad moment. I, think, I know that things are going to happen. But listen, watch this. This is my hope for me and for you. 
The reality is we're still going to have ups and downs, but I'd rather the ups and downs be like this. You follow me? So even my down over here is higher than over here. Wait a second, don't let the enemy use that in a bad way. That's just to encourage you a little bit. But even if your down over here was lower than this one over here, grace has a way of just really blowing it all out of the water. Okay? If you're a child of God, you can't, though, get too far away from that without coming back. And even, we're talking about it in a little bit of a defensive posture without getting away from it. But even the Bible talks about, we talked about a couple messages ago, really, I'm going to have a desire not just to hold on, but I'm going to have a desire to press on. I'm going to have a desire to keep growing forward. What we're basically saying is through all the seasons of life, one thing should remain for you if you're a Christian. I am the Lord's. Amen? Amen? Amen. Jesus wasn't just a phase for me. When I was little, I gave my life to Him. When I was a teenager... I, I struggled, but I continued to want to walk with Him. When I was a young adult, I didn't know how to do it, but I continued to, to go to church and learn and try to grow in God's ways. When my kids got older, and on and on, and hopefully that could be our testimony. Lord willing. If it's not, like I said, don't let the enemy use that in a negative way. Grace has a way of blowing the bad out of the water. Amen? Okay, so with all of that understood, our real point for today is this. A true believer keeps coming back. There are many verses that talk about this. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 39. In Hebrews 10, verse 39, you read the part that's underlined there. It says, but we are not of those who shrink back to destruction. That, that's, not what, that's not what we got. We're not of those who go back. We're those who are doing what? Pressing forward. I love this story about a great example. This is uh, Peter and uh, Mark chapter 14, verse 71. Read the Gospels. These great men and women of God were sinners. They started as sinners. They continued as sinners. But thank God they grew, didn't they? And God was able to use them in increasingly greater ways. But look at Peter. It says that there, when Christ, in in that sense, when He was here on this earth, when He needed them the most, it says, but He began to what? What did Peter do? He began to curse and swear. Okay, let's just think about that. Here's one of the greatest men in the New Testament. Are you comfortable with an image of him? He was walking with Jesus. He was there with Jesus. But still he had a moment. He had a moment when he even let filth come out of his mouth. Don't we have those moments? Isn't that encouraging to you? How many times did Peter blow it in the Gospels? But then here in Mark chapter 14, he had possibly his biggest moment of moving away from God. It just about crushed him. Wait a second. I said it just about crushed him. We get knocked down, but we what? Get back up again. What did Peter do? He made a big time wrong choice to, in a sense, 
for a moment, turn His back. Thank God that God never turns His back on us. Amen? So we are faithless. He remains faithful. That's the good news is why salvation is of God, not of us. Because if it was dependent on me, I'd lose it every day about 45 times a day. Right? And there are some Christians who teach that. That's why they say, well, you've got to stay prayed up. Well, I ain't prayed up enough to keep it. I, I might run into a... I might look up at a billboard and see a, you know, a sign that I shouldn't be looking at and have a bad thought and I should have been watching the road and I run into a light pole. And I'm going to hell. Because Robbie couldn't keep up with it. Thank God that it's not dependent on me. It just about crushed Peter, but it didn't. What did it do? It drove him back to God more than ever. And I'm sure that he blew it many more times after that for the rest of his life. Some of us in this room, we feel like such a jerk. We feel like such a failure because you just went through a time of straying. May I say, if this is your first time back at church, good for you. God bless you. Great job. It takes a lot of courage because the enemy does all that garbage. Oh, if I walk in, the walls will fall down. First of all, who started that phrase? I don't like that phrase. Let's don't say that phrase to anybody. Let's just say to them, if they didn't fall down, if they say to you, say, if they didn't fall down on me, you should be good. Right? right? (laughs) If that's you tonight, God bless you for taking that first step back. Be encouraged. Obviously, we don't want to do that because it hurts us, it hurts other people, it hurts the Lord's work. But you know what? Let's start from this point forward. That's what God's always about. He's about right now. He's about today is the day. Don't let the enemy beat you up. To some degree, the Bible says God expects that you're not going to get it right. That's why there are all those exhortations to stay focused and to stay on track. But when you don't, the Bible gives how to get back on track. Main question is this. Not have you messed up, but do you keep coming back? Because if you could leave God and stay gone, that's not a good sign. It is possible for a Christian to stray. Now listen. It is possible for a Christian to stray all the way till death. But I'm going to tell you what. If you are truly a child of God, that is the most miserable person in the world. Amen. If God is in your heart and you're fighting Him all the way to the grave, you're going to be miserable. Amen. You're going to be disciplined by God because God loves you enough. Hebrews chapter 12 tells us God loves you too much to let you go that way without working in your life to draw you back. Not to hurt you, but to draw you back into that right place of blessing. So here's the most important things I want to draw out of this. Write these down. First of all, rejoice that you do keep coming back. That's a great sign. A great indication that you are truly born again is that I can't let it go. Actually, more precisely, God won't let me go. Amen? He just won't let me do it. He's in there. He wants to come out. Number two, while you're here now, let's figure out how not to go that path again. Okay? Now listen, 
If you're here and you've strayed, we all have, but if you've strayed, let's first of all confess that to God. God, I see it. I'm not hiding from it. I know what I did. It was wrong. I'm sorry, God. I see, I see some of what that did to me and to others. I ask that you would cleanse me of that. Not salvation again, if you're a child of God, but you're asking God just to clear up the things that have been between you and Him in terms of blocking the flow of His work in your life. God, deal with that. And Lord, help me to see how did that happen? I'm not talking about going back and staying right there, but just saying, where did we get off the path? And if you don't know, pray about that. Ask God to show you that. Or maybe there's people in this church who want to help you, who love you, and been through, have been down the road a little bit, and just say, hey, I can't figure out where I went wrong, but I want to I kind of identify that, so next time it happens, I'll be able to read that sign, and I'll go the other direction. And here's a big one. Number three is, even though we'll never be able to stop that completely, let's make it our goal with God's help to make the straying Shorter. Do you hear me? Okay. What I'm about to give you is one of, I believe, the keys to the Christian life. Okay, I need to acknowledge and and understand that I can't be perfect. Okay? I am going to make mistakes. There are going to be slip-ups. I want to never go against God again in my life, but unfortunately, I won't be able to pull that off in this lifetime. Completely, right? So God, here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to help me to make those times of straying shorter. Okay, hang with me. It used to be, when I first came to know the Lord, it used to be that I'd have like this great time and then I could stay gone for six months. And then God would begin working and I'd get back on track. Then it would be great for a while and then I'd be gone for six months again. Something started happening as God started working in my life. God would work in my life and then I'd be gone for three weeks. Not six months. Okay, I'm sad about the three weeks. But I'm glad it's not six months anymore. Amen? Okay, wait a second. It was three weeks, but you know what happened? What started happening is God started working in my life every weekend when I would come to church. Then I'd find that some weeks, that whole week, I didn't think about God and I strayed and I went the wrong direction, but, but I can only do it for a week because when I got back together with my church family, God got a hold of me and, and I'm finding that it's not six months, it's not three weeks, it's a week now. No, I'm finding that every few days, I go wacko. I mean, I fall off, right? You know what I'm finding? Somebody says, You know what I'm finding? I'm finding that I'm actually not having those long periods of ignoring God or forgetting about Him in my life. Actually, I'm pretty much seeking to walk with Him, but I have my moments. Amen? Robbie has his moments for sure. And I want to minimize those as much as possible with God's help. I'm going to have some moments. God, I thank you that it ain't six months anymore. There's a lot of damage can get done in six months. 
And I'm about to tell you something that will even help that ratchet up a little bit. Drew and I like to arm wrestle sometimes. And anybody remember, I hate to recommend a movie that I, I can't remember if it was good or not, but I just remember this movie. When I was a little kid, uh, Sylvester Stallone, Over the Top, okay? You like that movie? Okay. Well, when Drew and I are arm wrestling, like I let him, you know, like just be like, and then I'll say, over the top. And then I twist my arm, and then I, he hates to hear over the top, okay? <laughs> Did nobody else hear that movie? See that movie? Okay, all right. I want to give you something right now that might be, I don't think I can be like that. It might put you over the top, Okay? Let me tell you what the secret, at least in my life, has been, and as I observe you guys, the secret to getting to a more consistent moment-by-moment kind of place with God is give your life to serving God and others. That's what I'm saying. Well, that's not what I wanted to hear. Okay, what else you got? What else you got? Is there another one? Like, can we have, you know, choice? <laughs> yeah, multiple choice. I'm telling you, if you would decide today, I'm going to lay down my life in sacrificial service to my King and in the lives of others, it will help you to minimize the times that you move away from God. Because guess what? Some days, Robbie doesn't care if I get in a hole in Walla for six months. Just me personally? Because I don't mind pain sometimes. I'm dumb. But I don't mind to hurt sometimes. Are you with me? When I think about the damage it might cause you and what's at stake if I make that dumb choice, it makes me think twice. You guys are a great blessing in my life. You help me to walk with Jesus. We do that for each other, don't we? Okay, so I'm just telling you a secret. You don't have to like it. You don't have to do it. Whatever. You can keep doing what you're doing if that's working. But if it's not, I'm just telling you a secret that I found. If you're a true believer, you're either going to be progressing towards what I've just described, or if you're not progressing, you have a desire for it. You're just blocking it. That's a pretty miserable place to be, isn't it? I I want you to ask yourself this question. Am I truly born again, saved, forgiven, cleansed, child of God, going to heaven? Even on my bad days, I can't help it. I know He's in me. Yes, I am. Praise His name. Thank you, Jesus. Wait a second. If you can't say yes to that, you can know right now. The very first message in the series was asking God to save you. Just throw yourself at the King's mercy and say, Jesus, I want to do the right thing, but I know I won't. I know I can't. I can't clean up what I've done wrong. In the lives of others, I can't clean it up between me and you if I tried for all of eternity. God, would you just give me what I can't do for myself? And he says, yes. I've been waiting your whole life for you to hear and to respond to this offer. Would you you come to Jesus today? Just right now in your heart, just say, yes, God. I give my life to you. I accept your gift. Please have mercy on my life. I want to be a child of God. The Bible says whoever calls upon that great name will be saved right now. 
congratulations. And for those of us who have that time when we've given our life to Jesus, we should be moving towards that kind of an attitude. There's lots of different places that you could be tonight, but just ask God, Lord, where am I at? God, where are you calling me next? What's the next step? Because we all have more. Amen? Would you bow with me as we think about what God's saying to us tonight? What a joy it is, God, for us to see as your people and must be for you. For those people that they go away for a little while, but they get back up again. Not because they're so strong, but because you won't let them be. It's evidence. Thank you for that evidence in my life. There's been times, God, when I, I was not looking for you, but you would not let me be. Thank you. You love us too much to let us go our own way. Lord, I thank you tonight for those who've made that decision to take that first step. They're coming home the first time. I pray that you'd help them, strengthen them, encourage them. We'd be a place that would help them grow as we're growing. We pray these things in Jesus' name.